I have been looking forward to releasing this episode for a while now. And as you listen, you will see exactly why. I had the opportunity to interview Monica Packer from the podcast about progress. And she gives such amazing insight. Go get a notebook, go get a pen. This is a little bit longer of an episode, but you will get so much meat out of it. It's absolutely incredible. I'm excited to share it with you. I'm Becky Hennessy. This is The Path of Imperfection, episode 56, Getting Out of the Comparison Trap with Monica Packer. Welcome, traveler. The Path of Imperfection is all about talking through the stuff and uncovering the what's and how's so that we can embrace ourselves and each other as human, one imperfect step at a time. This is a podcast for anybody with the courage to try. I am super excited, you guys, because tonight, actually, because it's nighttime, <laughs> I am visiting with Monica. And I have to tell you, I so I don't interview a ton of folks. I'm very intentional in who it is that I visit with and who it is that I talk with. And ever since I came across Monica, I just have absolutely adored her. And so I'm excited to connect her to you guys. I'm going to be real, Monica, I have been super nervous. Oh, <laughs> like at about 830, me. my heart started to beat really fast. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so I'm so nervous. I'm so excited <laughs> to get to talk with you. So oh. I'm excited to have you here. I'm glad to be here and I'm glad I'm not the only one who gets nervous. I still get nervous. So it, you're you're in the right club. Okay, so I don't I don't get to look forward to that like dissipating anytime soon is what you're telling me. <laughs> yes, it can you can trick yourself out of it a little easier with time. That's for sure. Good. Well, so introduce yourself to my community for folks who maybe don't know you as well as I do who haven't Talk to you as much as I have. Maybe <laughs> yeah. kind of just uh, sure. let let folks know a little bit about you. Yeah, Becky, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And um, my name is Monica, Monica Packer, and I'm a mom of four and I live in the San Francisco Bay Area and I'm primarily a stay-at-home mom and I'm also a podcaster for self-development that focuses on progress over perfection and it's called About Progress. <laughs> and People primarily find me there and on Instagram. And I just really love the community we've created together. I actually came across you on Instagram. So I broke up with social media with when Instagram wasn't even a thing. Like I broke up with Facebook like a solid six or seven years ago. Yeah, good for Actually, you. because of like perfectionism and comparison, mm -hmm. which is what we're going to be talking a lot about tonight. Then I re-entered a different space and decided that I needed to embrace social media a little bit more. and. You are one of the first folks that I came across. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be super careful with who it is that I follow and super careful with who it is that I listen to and the content that I take into my brain because of my perfectionism stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just found you to be so real and so authentic and loved what I would hear on your podcast and loved what I would see and thought, okay, I can show up here. Like I can do social media. If she can do social media, I can I can do it. If there's people like Hi. her here, I can do it. So I've absolutely loved the podcasts that you've put on. And I've absolutely loved the stories that you put on Instagram. It just makes me smile because I feel like, oh, she's real. Okay. So her kids have hard times. She has oh, things yeah. that she has to work. I, I've just loved it. So it's been nice to I feel kind of at home as I listen to you and connect with you. 
Oh, that means so much to me, especially because right now I'm taking my own break from social media and it's been so nice to step back a little bit to just kind of recenter, recalibrate, you know, all of that good stuff. But it just helps to know that what I'm hoping translates is landing at least with some people. So when I'm ready to jump back on the bandwagon, I'll remember what you just said here. That will be my motivation. Yeah. I think that it's definitely landing with a lot of folks. And I don't think anyone's going to go anywhere. You take your break and you do your pause. And when you come back, everybody's going to be there. And so excited to hear how that went for you and all of those kinds of things. Thanks, Becky. I'll hold on to that for sure. (laughs) Good. So tonight we are just exploding comparison. We're talking about comparison. And when we were connecting and talking about maybe what kind of conversation we would want to have, This stuck out to me a ton, actually, because I came across one of your episodes that was about the comparison trap. And I heard so much of myself in there and thought, this is something that my community needs to hear about because this is the path of imperfection. And as we're going about that, it's really hard to steer clear of or at least kind of navigate those comparison waters. So That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And I'm really excited to go down that path with you. Yeah, it's such a huge part to perfectionism. And it's actually one that I haven't talked about very often, you know, and but it really is, I think, a huge foundational piece to perfectionism for sure. So I'm really glad that's what you wanted to talk about. You talked about how comparison was kind of at the root of a lot of things for you. So mm-hmm. can you put meat on that for us? Kind of explain that to me a little bit. Totally. I feel like I grew up believing this lie that many of us believe that considering ourselves a perfectionist was a really positive trait, mm. something to aspire to, mm-hmm. something to kind of humble brag about like, oh, I'm such a perfectionist. So I love humble when brag I- about. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. My husband loves that phrase yeah. so much, but it's so true. We we really think it's something to aspire to. And because I believe that so heartedly, I was hell-bent on being the perfectionist of all perfectionists. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It really made my life blow up in my face after so many years of living so hell-bent on perfectionism. And then when my life did blow up in my face in my early 20s, I then feel like I spent the next eight years trying to recalibrate in another way. Like I I was trying to not be such a perfectionist, which also meant I was really afraid to try things again because I was convinced it would end in in an epic meltdown again. And it took some time for me to realize that I still needed to try. Mm. I need to try. I need to grow. I need to develop, but I need to do it from a place of owning my own imperfections as a part of what makes me worthwhile instead of something to be ashamed of. And that's where comparison comes in, I think. When I look back and I look at the years of being the overachieving perfectionist and then the years of being an underachieving perfectionist, a big part of the foundation there is a fear of not measuring up. And not even just measuring up, it's measuring beyond Mm. others. In order for me to even get a sense of where I lie in that ranking that we do as humans internally, Mm -hmm. it's this constant comparison for everything and anything. And I can see that now in hindsight, just how comparison was such a huge part of it that I didn't even know was happening until you know life blows up and then it blows up again in different ways. So now it's something I try to pay a lot more attention to. And it's super slippery and sneaky and evil. 
and easy to get caught up in again. But I do think that trying to be aware of it is is just so essential to growing for the right reasons. And I think as you try to do things based not off of how you rank in comparison with others, but more of, you know, you're trying to pursue your own personal growth in a messy way. It it does something weird and you grow even better and it's even longer lasting and it's more concrete and fulfilling and all these crazy things. But it just takes a lot of time and practice and awareness. And so much discomfort, right? Like even just you talking about, I can just like feel it. In, in my body. Yes. Yeah. So how does one start that journey? If somebody is aware, let's say they know, okay, comparison is a thing for me that's happening for me. How do they start to navigate what the traps are? What does that process look like to start that journey of figuring out those traps, figuring out maybe those triggers or whatever? I think it's important to look at how it's coming up for you the most and what kind of environments whether that's internal or external. So you're going to have to look at how you spend your days and when those feelings come up for you. So maybe first it's recognizing what it feels like when you're comparing yourself. So think about, well, how do I feel when I'm comparing? Maybe you don't even realize you're doing this, but when you recognize some anxiety or stress or insecurity or pressure to do more or suddenly feeling like, really rapid thoughts like, well, now I need to do this and I got to do this better. Now I got to do everything in my house, cleaning everything and exercising. Mm -hmm. Like Recognize first what it feels like and looks like internally when you're comparing and then see what are the circumstances that are happening when you feel those things. Is it because you're looking at an influencer on Instagram and comparing your life to her? Or maybe you're thinking about Sally down the street and (laughs) what you just saw her sign up for Mm -hmm. that you're like, well, I should be doing that too. Or someone in your family or someone on the internet or the TV, look around and see how is this coming up for you? It might be with strangers and it might be with people you really know. Mm -hmm. That I think is the second thing. So first is the feelings and the emotions that come up. Second, paying attention to the circumstances. And then third, you got to do some weeding. Mm. You need to do some weeding and, and and how you're spending your time and where your focus is. And, you know, for you and I, these <laughs> recovering perfectionists that we <laughs> sure. are. Yeah. Sometimes that means you do have to cut some big things out of your life for a while, yeah. maybe not permanently, but for a while. So I know for me, how my life kind of blew up in my face was I had a lot of eating disorders I was dealing with and my life really just fell apart. Mm. And, and so my recovery, you know, that's when Facebook was out big. I never signed up for Facebook until I graduated from college mm-hmm. because I knew that wouldn't be a good place for me to be. I didn't look at online things. Now there's way more. Now, I, I can't imagine going through what I did, you know, 13 years ago. Sure. Now, I think I was more careful about what I was ingesting, like in terms of magazines, articles I was reading online, where I was putting myself out on social media. And I still have to do that now. So think about what things can you weed out? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's most of the the ways that comparison are coming up for you actually can weed out. And it's taking breaks from things and then learning how to have engage in those things with boundaries like you are, you know, yeah. like you are you're ready to be back in social media, we'll make sure that what you follow and who you follow is going to help support who you want to be, not make you feel all that you lack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love so, that. Yeah. I, I really feel like, especially nowadays, the social media piece just can't be overestimated, right? Like how influential it is on us, even when we don't realize it. Like, here's another quick example for you. I never was a spender growing up. I was always a saver, 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 saver. And then I noticed after my third kid, 
I suddenly realized I was buying a lot more things online than I ever had before. And it's become not like a a huge problem. Like we're not in debt. You know, we're not getting packages that I'm hiding, you know, purchases I'm hiding. But it's but it's definitely not me. Mm. It's not who I used to be. So I realized a big part of that was because I was following luxury people on Instagram who were finding deals. So I'm a deal finder. Mm. So they're like, you must have this $200 purse that's now only $100. And you're like, what? That's a steal. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it was even as simple as that. It's just realizing how subconscious that had, had become mm-hmm. and weeding out anyone who made me want to spend money. Yeah. And not from like, a, you, I can't handle you. Like, I, I, you're, God, you're dead to me. But just realizing this is a time and season where I need a break from these certain people and these certain things that they're leading me to do or just subconsciously influencing me. Not that they're evil, yeah, but I'm just not ready for that. So to recap, since I've been all over the place, I think you're great. (laughs) Thinking about your emotions and how you're feeling, connect that to circumstances and do some weeding. Now, sometimes you can't do that with Sally down the street, right? Sometimes you can't do that with your best friend or your sister or someone in your life that you find yourself comparing yourself to them. But maybe that is still a time to think about boundaries, just like we talked about with the social media piece. There are still ways to have internal boundaries where you just tell yourself logically ahead of a situation you come into or a conversation or a social engagement or a family event is just realizing this is a a thing for me and this is how I want to handle it. And I find that does help a lot too. It doesn't take it all away, but it helps because you're human and you are still going to compare yourself. It's still going to come up for you. Even if you are in a better place in many ways and have boundaries in place, it's still going to come up. So choose how you're going to deal with it ahead of time if you can and let those things kick into gear when it comes up. Yeah. Well, and it's just funny because even when you have awareness, so I've been a mental health therapist, a psychotherapist for like the past 12 years, right? And then I start to enter into this space of coaching so I can expand beyond the state that I'm in. And so I just, I don't diagnose the people I coach, but I can still use the same skills, right? And that is a completely new phase for me. Like I I feel very comfortable within the therapy space. And as I started to venture over into this coaching space, holy cannoli, the shame spirals that would like happen in my life just from being on social media or thinking about this or thinking about that or whatever, and just going down this space of like, look at their phase three and I'm only in phase one. And it took a minute Mm -hmm. for me to kind of figure out, hey, they had phase ones. Like, it's okay. Slow down a little. I love how you're talking about what we ingest. I can't remember who it was that said it. It was on Instagram where they talked about how our diet isn't only what we eat, but it's also the stuff that we consume, the stuff we spiritually consume, the stuff we physically consume, Mm -hmm. the stuff we emotionally consume. And I thought, oh, that is so true because depending on what space you're in, like you said, in that circumstance, you could find comparison over here. You could find comparison over here. And so you just have to be really aware of all that you're ingesting. Yeah. And it can come in in the craziest ways. Like I'm glad you talked about spiritually. I mean, that's a way that we can compare ourselves often. Body, that's a huge one. What people eat, what they look like, the clothes they wear, the number of children they have, the degrees they have, if they're earning money or not, what hobbies they have, athletic feats. It just, it can be an endless list. And I just imagine myself beating myself over my head all day long with all the ways I can see myself not measuring up. And that's what perfectionism is. That's how I lived my life. And 
to be honest, I am sure that I was a source of a lot of comparison Mm. when I was in the thick Mm -hmm. of that, when I was at my lowest low of constantly belittling myself and comparing myself. That's when I probably looked like the most enviable. Mm -hmm. It's important to note, you know, on top of all these. Yeah. Just like all these steps we've talked yourself through is to just logically explain to yourself, you only see the outside. Even if your dearest friends and family members that you might compare yourself to, you still only really see the outside. You never really know the internal workings. You never know the struggles and what people are really going through. And even beyond that, just even trial-based, you might not know how hard Mm. they worked to get to where they are. And that's a huge disservice we do, not only to ourselves when we just assume things came easily for them. It's also a huge disservice to ourselves to say, oh, well, you can't do that because you don't have the luck they did or the genes or the money. You know, it's just it's a a disservice to everyone. fixed mindset, right? It comes from this very like fixed mindset space instead of the growth mindset of like, I can grow. I I don't have that yet or I can't be that yet or whatever. It comes from this like very opposite Mm -hmm. place, this absolute thinking, which I mean, that's like at the epitome of all perfectionism, right? Totally. You know what? And I was I realized just a year ago, I had a huge realization that comparison was still sneaking up in my life in new ways. And it was with another kind of mindset, you know, mm-hmm. abundance versus scarcity. Mm-hmm. I know a mm-hmm. lot of people talk about it. And it might be like a woo-woo thing where people are like, okay, turning you <laughs> off now. What's next? It's like a hippie secret? talk. You know, <laughs> I call it hocus pocus hippie talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. I mean, my husband and I, he teases me all the time about this. But I do have to say there is something huge here with abundance versus scarcity mindset. And I realized so much, all of my issues really came down to me living out mm-hmm. of scarcity and not feeling like there was enough to go around in any, in any way, in any kind of thing you can think of, whether it's success or clothes or good marriages or kids, you know, all of those things. And identifying that was a really uh, instructive time for me to realize that I, that there was enough, there is enough yeah. for all of us. And you know, that even played out with podcasting for me. And I know that your guests are not your guests. Your listeners aren't here to listen to me talk about my oh, podcasting. You but talk away. It did, You're fine. Well, I mean, not even business talk wise, but it just my confidence mm-hmm. was really low in my, mm-hmm. with my podcasting. And it was because I was only thinking about things mm-hmm. out of scarcity. Oh, so-and-so had that guest on. I was going to ask them. Or I heard them talking about that topic and I was going to do that. Or they get numbers so easily. How did they do that? And once I realized and identified that scarcity mindset, because I was working with a business coach who really put me in my place in a fantastic way, then I was able to step into my own abundance, my own power that I had, my own gratitude, actually, for what I had to offer. And as I stood in that place of being grateful for the people who showed up to listen, grateful for the amazing guests who did share or people who were showing up in the community and talking. And what I was learning about, it felt so different. I have had people tell me, wow, your show really feels different. Mm. You know, shortly after I kind of made that shift, like it felt different. It was some kind of woo-woo magic. And it really did. It did translate across the radio waves here. Like people felt the difference to how I was showing up. So I guess, you know, maybe the key, the biggest key here is yeah. gratitude. <laughs> That's another word for abundance. So if you don't, if you don't like the hippie talk, think yeah. about gratitude, right? That's the key to really nipping those, those triggers and those traps yeah. in the bud. Well, and I've just noticed that that's one of the things that has really drawn me to right in that space is you are a cheerleader. Like you celebrate other 
people. You celebrate their successes. You celebrate things that are awesome about them, other women in particular. And I think that that is so rare, quite honestly, because a lot of times we women, I mean, we can get ruthless sometimes with each other. And I've just noticed how you just celebrate. You're just a fan of other women that are creating and that are producing and that are in these spaces. And to me, that is just awesome because there is plenty and you can feel just in how you speak and how things are, you can feel that from you. So I think that that's the cool payday of having that kind of gratitude. It's definitely something that can be sensed. Oh, that makes me so happy. You know, I was talking to someone today about, you know, influencers, because as podcasters, we often have, you know, we often have people on our show who have bigger followings and maybe people identify them Mm -hmm. as influencers. And I think the problem to that, I think people have with influencers is just that position that some of them can put them, you know, themselves into this position of being a guru or higher than. And I don't think they need to do that. This is totally human nature. Or people don't love influencers because we're putting ourselves in that position and making it like they did that to us, made us feel this way. I just knew for myself, I could never pretend to be a person of influence. I just can't. Like, I am learning more than anybody else because of the podcast. I have been blessed more than anyone else. And I learn so Mm. much, not only from the people who are on, but the people who comment that there really could have been no other way. There really couldn't have been. I love how you brought up that label of guru. That's actually my episode that's going out tomorrow (laughs) is where I talk oh, really? about, I call it yeah. the guru syndrome. It, ta- Ooh, yeah, it, just, it talks about how sometimes we put ourselves in it, but sometimes other people put ourselves in it. And man, it is slippery. And it puts me in kind of like this comparison trap. I've noticed within myself that that's one of those external yeah. circumstances that you've kind of talked about that I have to be really aware of. I also, I just love how the first place that you came at it was with feeling. Pay really close attention to how your body is feeling. I love that that's the first... To me, I think about it, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense because that's what happens first in me is I have my body wisdom tells me, "Mm, pay attention and then going those other steps. That's super, super helpful. Body wisdom. That is super cool phrase. I love that. Yeah. Because you know, I love all the talk about mindset these days and and I feel like that is huge and has changed my life. I often have no idea what I'm thinking. Yeah, amen. And I think most people don't either. So yeah, your body wisdom, your body knows most of the time before you do. So that's that's been helpful for me in a lot of ways, but for sure. With and I think piece. for me, there was this, like when I was doing graduate school and there was this, hey, change your mindset, change how you think, and then you can pick how you feel. I was like, woohoo, sign me up. Like I will lock it up as far as my mindset goes and I will feel awesome, smooth sailing, you know? And then as I started to like, and that's the perfectionist in me. And then as I started to do life Mm -hmm. and then got married and then had kids, I'm like, this is a hot mess. And for me, it was like, I'm feeling all of these feels. And so I, I had to start to get really clear on how it was showing up in my body first. So I love that that's like your first pay attention to what it feels like. And then you can step back and look at the circumstances. And then you can start to weed out what you need to weed out and all those kinds of things. This is just gold. That's just awesome. I'm glad that just came out of my mouth. It's magic. It's all that hocus pocus hippie talk. It's just great. It was supposed to be here. So 
taking it just a step further, as we're trying to teach this to our kiddos, as we're trying to pass this on to them, any words of wisdom or little nuggets that you could give me, give us in that space? I know that living it and showing by example is huge. So I'm sure that's some of it. Are there other things that we can make sure that we're doing with our kiddos so that we don't plunk them in that comparison trap? Well, I'm not a parenting expert for sure, but I do think as parents, we can see that natural Mm -hmm. tendency to compare come up in our kids. This is human nature. We like to know our ranking. This is survival of the fittest. You know, we are wired to seek out where we lie in some ranking. So you're going to see it come out in your kids. One of my kids is really worried about how she is math-wise compared to other kids because she automatically has deemed herself as bad at math. And so she constantly is like, so-and-so is better at math than me. And I hear Mm -hmm. it come up a lot. I have a son who anytime I praise another kid, so I'll say like, oh, so-and-so, you did such a good job emptying that dishwasher. And then I hear his voice next to me is like, so I did a bad job emptying the dishwasher. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He has this little R's. I'm like, okay. So in these moments, I mean, like I said, my kids are still still young. I'm still, I feel like a new parent. My kids are eight and down to one. But with them, I think it's just being really transparent. Like when I compliment another kid or when I compliment a sister, your sister or brother, I'm not saying that you are bad at those things. I can give someone a compliment and it not mean anything bad about you. And I say that, I try to say that in a loving way. And same with my daughter. We're all, not all good at everything. Mm-hmm. You know, so I feel like it's just a lot of modeling the thoughts that they can say to themselves when those things come up. So even with my daughter, when she has that anxiety about how she's comparing to other kids in math, like I have her say, like literally say to me, I don't have to be great at everything. That's awesome. You know, whatever it can be that they can just say to themselves when that comes up for them at school or at home or on a soccer field or whatever it is, is just modeling that Mm -hmm. it's okay. And I think the other thing too is to model for your kids, share with them Mm. your weaknesses. I mean, if you're having a bad day and you get mad at them, I mean, we all apologize for sure. But part of that, I think, is also just pulling the curtain back and just saying, mommy makes mistakes all the time. And sometimes I'm having a hard time just so they can see wow, it's okay to mess up. It's okay to have hard emotions. It's okay to get caught up in these things. It's okay to have struggles with friends. It's okay to feel insecure, all of those things. And I mean, we're not exactly a kumbaya. Like I I, I live in a hippie dippy area and I love it. <laughs> I always want to live by hippies, but we're not a super like hippie dippy family in terms of mm-hmm. kumbaya kind of stuff. But I do my best to show my kids it's okay to be human and it's okay to not have it all together. And you can still feel confident in who you are, even if you don't measure up in some ways that other people are making you feel, even if you, even if they're not trying to make you feel that way. So those are kind of my tips. I know that's like not super, someone's going to write a book now because of what I just said, but that's what's helped. I love that. I think that's absolutely awesome because it just, it gives them permission. It gives them the space to be able to make mistakes and be imperfect and encourages them to apologize and they know that it's just not the end of the world. Like it it gives them, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. this is attainable. This is doable. I love that. Definitely. And you know what? I forgot one other thing I thought about with that is being so careful ourselves to not say, well, so-and-so know how to do that. Why aren't you doing that? Or didn't you see how, how your brother emptied the dishwasher? 
you need to do it that way. You know, in a ways that make it like an obvious yeah. comparison. Like we can have role models and, you know, help them aspire for greater. Like, didn't you love how they were so kind to that friend? You know, stuff like that. But when it's like direct, like kind of negative, like you lack their better, that's a hard position to put our kids into. And I think kind of just uh, encourages that natural tendency yeah. to compare. I remember <laughs> when I was potty training my first. So she's 11 now. And I got this like two by four in the face out of her little mouth because I really wanted her to be potty trained by a certain age. And I I tried everything. Like I'd read every book I could figure out how to read. Like I tried everything and nothing was working. And so finally, like out of my mouth, I say, so-and-so goes in the potty. And it was one of her dear friends. And that girl, bless her heart. I mean, she just, she's wise beyond her years. She looks at me and she was like two and a half or three. And she says, yep. So and so goes in the potty and I don't and was just like, no, I'm not even. And the second she said that, I'm like, oh, I yeah, can't believe that came out of my like a whack in the face of the two by four. Like, pull that back. Yeah. But oh, I love she held her own. I know. And I even found myself doing that too. I mean, like I, I said the other day to one of my kids, like, I never talked to my parents that way, you know? And it really was like, I probably did. Like, how do I remember how I talked to my parents when I was four? I'm pretty sure my mom said I had a mouth on me. So, you know, we do this. But so. that's the beauty of the imperfection part, <laughs> Just right? Like, try. try. And that's yep. what I love is right. like, I think that for me, one of the things that I just try to keep in check when I get in that cons- comparison space is, am I trying? But did I try? Am yeah. I trying? Because then it's like, that's all that's required. That's all that's required. It's not expected that I do it perfectly. It's not expected that I do it as well as them. It's not expected that I even show up in that same space or have that same talent, but did I try? And so, yeah, I have to kind of remind myself that. I adore that. So so as we kind of wrap up, is there anything else that you feel like would be really helpful for us to know? And then I'm going to ask you a question a little bit about imperfection. So anything else that you think, oh, I want to slip this in so that we can have it? So what I want people to know, I guess, is that I'm still working on this perfectionist side of me and it's still influencing my life in ways I don't like that I've been working on for 12 years. Like I've been working on some parts of this lingering perfectionism for 12 years. Some of the consequences that have come from my perfectionist behavior that was so ingrained for so long. And I have an amazing therapist and she knows I have this podcast about overcoming perfectionism and working on yourself, like all these things. I've been talking about this for years, you know, trying to really work on it. But one session a few years ago, she was like, you know, she helped me do that that thing you therapists do, like unravel all these different layers. Pull out like, a string and keep who am I? Like, like yeah, yes, that's totally it. The string kept coming, 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 and at the at the end of that string was this thought that she delivered to me: "Is why is Monica Packer not allowed to be human?" Wow, that's like mind like, blowing. That's like, like oh yeah, I know. Talk about. What another you know thing that changed my life is that moment of realizing I was still mm. doing it. I was still not allowing myself to be human. And I have thought about that almost every day since. And I have a terrible memory. Like I've probably forgotten every important thing that's ever happened to me in my life. But that was one of the moments that I will remember forever because of the impact it had on me and realizing I'm allowed. I'm allowed to be human. If I own my humanity that I'm so much better able to show up to it and connect more and to deal with these problems Mm. I'm still having and the recovery I'm still facing. So that's been a huge influence on me 
in helping me navigate where I'm still struggling. What an awesome touchstone to just have that and to just like, Mm -hmm. it's almost kind of a mantra, like to go back to like, wait a second, why am I not allowed to be human? I am. I love that. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. good yeah, stuff. She, she earned her money that day, huh? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> that is absolutely awesome. How yes. have you found that embracing your imperfection has opened your eyes or has benefited your life or has benefited your family? What has been mm-hmm. that for you as you've embraced that imperfection? I really think that's what has completely changed my life. Completely. When I was in my years of an underachieving perfectionist, I still feel like I was not allowing myself to be human in some weird way. Like my my resistance to grow came out of a place of a fear of being imperfect. Yeah. If that makes sense. I was so terrified of not being good enough. I didn't try. And so me owning that fine balance of it being worthy and okay and acceptable to be imperfect is what has freed me up to try and grow in ways I never could have otherwise. And to contrast that too with the old perfectionist me, the overachieving kind, it feels so different. I'm allowed to mess up. I'm allowed to make mistakes, to not know what I'm doing, to have to recorrect and you know fix my mistakes. And it doesn't feel like life and death anymore. It doesn't define me. I feel like owning my imperfect self is what has given me a sense of worth I never had before. And you would think it would be different, right? Like you think that owning your humanity would make you feel less in the dirt. And it really hasn't. It's made me feel so much more empowered. And I feel like my true self now. I feel like the old me, the kid I used to be, you know, this personality that I had younger, I feel like it's back. And it doesn't mean I'm confident all the time. It doesn't mean I don't struggle with my self-worth. It doesn't mean that I am never insecure. I doubt all of those things, but I'm better able to navigate it now than I ever was before. So I really feel like it truly did change my life. That is so, it's just powerful and it's just beautiful and it's why you needed to be here today and have this conversation with me. I appreciate it so, so much. The amount of gratitude that I have that this happened on your break, like I can't even, it just gets me choked up even talking about like, I appreciate it so, so much that you were so willing to visit with me about all this stuff. You're amazing. That makes it all worth it for me. So just wrap it up for us. Kind of let us know where we can find you for folks that have just fallen in love with you as I have, that they can be able to find you on social media as well as anywhere else. And anything else that you want to finish up with? Yeah, happy to. Join us on Instagram. And when I say us, like I said, this is a community. It's not a fan club. That's so important to me that it's a community, not a fan club. So join us on Instagram at About Progress. And I'm, you know, everything else. I'm About Progress for the podcast, my website. I have a Facebook group. And I also have a private Facebook group for people who want to take their progress to the next level in a safe place, like to share about what they're struggling with and how they're working on things, tips for organizing, time management, dealing with a toddler, whatever comes up for them. And that's related to our monthly themes that we have for the podcast. And they can find that on my Facebook page about progress. There should be a link to sign up for work in progress, the private one. And I don't usually talk about that one here, but I've just been... That's been one of the things I've been active on still with my social media break. And it's been you know, for reason because people really show up there in some special ways. So I'm so grateful to be on Becky. You're doing 
such good work. And Thanks. I really appreciate the time you took to to know me and to be part of the community and to know exactly what we need to chat about today because I needed it too. Well, you're easy to love. <laughs> and I will make sure to link all of those fancy things into yeah. <laughs> where I link the fancy things. Love I'll make it. sure to do that so that folks can connect with you. Thanks, Becky. Yep. Thank you. Wasn't that amazing? I just loved how she shared some of her low lows and her really hard hards and how she climbed out of the comparison trap, how she continues to climb out of that comparison trap. Her gratitude, her willingness to be vulnerable, absolutely awesome. And I'm so grateful for her and the conversation that we got to have. Hey guys, like what you've heard here? Want more of it for free? Go over to my website, Becky Hennessy, B-E-C-K-I-E-H-E-N-N-E-S-S-Y. Click on the Connect With Me tab and give me your email. Come join me for my next Anything Goes Q&A. You guys, when I say anything goes, I mean anything goes. It's free. It's an hour of stuff a lot like this. Bring me your questions. Let me answer them. What have you got to lose? Again, beckyhennessy.com. Go to connect with me. Plunk your email in there for the free webinar and you will get an invite to my next Anything Goes Q&A. Thank you.